Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. This morning, we just want to take a moment in honor of the life and ministry of Dr. King and all the work that he did uh, in our nation and really around the world. And he's always been a figure that I've looked up to from the first time I've ever heard his his uh, speech in entirety, just how moving it was and just the very concept of being judged by the content of my character and not the, the color of my skin and, and what a powerful uh, just ministry he had of the Father's heart. One of the things that our church will always fall out on is what we call the Imago Day, and it means Latin for the image of God. What we very fundamentally believe in a very real way as a church here is because you are made in God's image and likeness that you are deserving of love, life, respect, and honor. Amen? And that everybody here, regardless of your ethnicity or culture or background, is deserving of life and love and honor and respect. In fact, we believe it's the very thing that Jesus called us to do is to love our neighbor well and to love other people. And so we've really fallen out on that as a church. And one of the reasons every now and then I, I will get asked, like, hey, you, you were building such a young, diverse church, you know. And I said, you know, really, it's obviously it's the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, but we love other people well. It is inside of the culture of our house, and I think you should give God a shout of praise because you all do that, and we do that well as a church. Hey, why don't you turn to two or three people, welcome them to church, say you look cuter after worship. Let them know you're excited to be in God's house together this morning. We're excited. I'm ready to drop, drop this message on us all this morning. Uh, let me pray real quick, and let's jump into God's Word this morning. Heavenly Father, we love you. It's great to be in your house on a cool day. We get one opportunity to wear sweaters, Jesus, and we got it today. So thank you for the great weather. And uh, God, we just ask that you would open up our, our hearts and our, our minds this morning. Uh, God, it's such a humbling thing to be up here all the time. I, I definitely do not have the power to change anybody, but we, we humbly believe that your Word has the power to transform us from the inside out. So Father, we ask that you would transform us today with your word, with your grace, your strength, your Holy Spirit. Uh, God, may you get the glory and may you change lives. In your amazing name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to read John chapter 6 this morning. I'd like to start in verse 1. And uh, if you have your Bible app, go ahead and get that out. You can also follow along up here. John chapter 6, verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Jesus went up to a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test them, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. So keep a mental note on that. Jesus already knew where he was going to go. Verse 7, Philip answered him, uh, it would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite, right? So... Tons of resources here. Another of his disciples, Andrew Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? I like what the message says here. It says, Jesus, this is just a drop in the bucket. Just a drop in the bucket of what, what is, is needing here, right? Uh, and so Jesus said, had the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down, about 5,000 men, so there were more women and children as well. And Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much 
as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with pieces of the barley loaves left over those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Everybody say a drop in the bucket. A drop in the bucket. Have you ever approached a situation and what was in your hands was simply not enough? Have you ever approached a relationship and you thought, man, no matter how hard I try, this does not seem to be enough? If you've been married for more than a couple of years, you could probably say, there's been times in my marriage I simply did not have enough to make this work. I have four small kids. I approach Jesus on the regular. God, I do not have enough, right? It's just a lot of resources, a lot of energy. Uh, We've probably all had those times where we've said, Jesus, the SAT score is not high enough. You know, I don't have enough connections. I don't know how to make this business work. I I don't know how to navigate these office politics. God, what's in my hands is just simply not enough. Maybe you've been looking at the South Florida, you know, downtown rent prices, and you're like, Jesus, it doesn't add up. Okay, like it's just simply not enough. What's in my hands is not enough to not only meet my need, but also I can't do nothing about the needs of others. I just seem to be short on energy, ideas, intelligence, resources, whatever. What, what I'm holding in my hands, God, is just simply not enough. I think we've all been there where we felt like what's in my hands is simply a drop in the bucket of what's before me. I don't know. I don't know how to approach this. What do I do? This morning, I want to look at two Old Testament characters, and then I want to kind of come back to John chapter 6, and I want to help you this morning. What do you do when you don't have enough in your hands? What do you do when you don't have enough in your hands? The first character I want to look at this morning is a guy named Shamgar. One more time, everybody just say Shamgar. If you're thinking about a name to name your firstborn son, that's a good one. That's a good, strong name right there. That'll scare anybody that meets them in kindergarten. I don't think I've ever met a Shamgar in real life, you know, but what a name. Shamgar was a judge in the Old Testament, and uh, there was a period between Moses, Joshua, and then the kings that God led the people through judges, and there was a number of them, and Shamgar was one of them. And I like to pick on Shamgar because he's not very well known. There's only two verses in the Bible that are about him, uh, and he's just not a famous character. He's just not well known. And I, and I kind of like that because one of my concerns in the modern church is that we think God only uses famous people instead of God using faithful people. When you get to heaven one day, Jesus is going to say, well done, good and faithful. He's not going to say, well done, good and famous. God can use you even if you've only got 100 followers on IG, okay? Right? I mean, we all live in a click and subscribe culture, right? Okay? And I get, I get that. And that's fine. Let's go for it. Do your thing, right? But God can use you even if you don't look like a lot on the outside. Come on, somebody. Like, let me help us, millennials. I know we're all, we're all addicted. So I love using Shamgar because he's, he's not well known, but he delivered the people of Israel in his time and he finished his race well. It's probably better to be unknown and finish well than to be known and to crash and burn. Probably better to be faithful. So faithfulness is a big deal for us. There's two things, right? So the first thing that's said in the Bible about Shamgar is with an ox goad, 
He defeated 600 Philistines. I actually preached a message on this two years ago. I did like a whole, a whole message on it because I love the lessons from Shamgar. So he has an ox goad. What's an ox goad, pastor? I've never heard of that in my whole life. I'm glad you asked. An ox goad is this big stick, and it's got kind of like a little sharp uh, wooden stick or metal stick on the end, and you would poke the oxen with it so they would go, and you could plow your field. So Shamgar is a farmer, and he's got this big stick, and he'd hit the ox with it a little bit, and they would get moving, and he'd, he'd plow his field, right? So he's got, an, he's got an ox goad. Bible says with an ox goad, he defeated 600 Philistines. And then another time, and the other passage that's only mentioned about Shamgar, so at the time of Shamgar, man, that the Philistines controlled the highways, and the Israelites couldn't even take the highways. So they're being repressed. Life's miserable. They couldn't even take the highways and go where they needed to go, and God uses Shamgar to deliver them. Now, how easy would it have been for our man Shamgar, and I think this is a huge danger for us in the modern church, to compare what's in his hands with what was in the hands of other men and women of God. It is so easy in our generation to compare all of our courage completely away. You loved your vacation until you opened TikTok, and you saw where they went and what they did. You were happy with your career until you opened up Instagram and saw what they could do. You were proud of your fitness progress. Come on, somebody, until you jumped on Facebook, right? And and, and it's never been easier to compare what's in my hands to somebody else's hands, right? And I'll I'll talk about this concept a few times, but I, I want us to get this as a church. How easy would it have been for Shamgar to say, God, I don't have Moses' staff. I can't do anything about the problem. There's 600 Philistines in front of me. All I have is a stick. What can I do? I don't have Joshua's army. I don't even have Gideon's army. I don't have the voice of a prophet. I don't have the favor of Joseph. God, what can I do? I don't have David's sling. I don't have Samson's strength. I mean, that would have been an easy one to compare. You got Samson, who's like the only Hulk ever. He's like the only one that would have made the Avenger team. The only one ever in human history that got anointed with supernatural strength. And he had great long hair, you know. But he's got beautiful long hair and he's super strong. And Shamgar's like, I have a stick. I have a stick. I don't have supernatural strength. I don't have good looking hair. I have a stick. How easy would it have been for him to focus on what's in his hands, get discouraged, and stay defeated? How many believers compare all their courage away, see what's in their hands, compare it to somebody else's hands, and choose never to start and stay defeated? God will use what is in your hands. God will always start with what's in your hands. Everything you have is everything you need to get started. I'm going to camp on this a, a little bit longer. You have everything you need. Because it's not about what's in your hands. It's always about what's in his hands. God chose a staff, and with Moses, he's like, I'm going to deliver everybody with a staff. God chose a sling with David and said, I'm going to deliver Goliath with the sling with you, man. God chose Joseph and he's like, I'm going to give you favor and a gift to interpret dreams, and I'm going to deliver you through that. It doesn't matter what's in my hands. What matters is what God wants to do with my life. You don't need what's in their hands because you're not going where they're going. You have a different destiny with a different destination, a different skill set. And so you need what's in your hands. And God will start with what's in your hands. And he will multiply with what's in your hands with the gifts and the talents that he's given you. 
Have you ever noticed a shark in the water is terrifying? Anybody in here dive like me? Snorkel, maybe? Like, you know, Shark Week? Okay. I'm definitely not diving off the southern coast of South Africa, you know, I'll tell you that. But a shark on the street, if there was a shark on the street, I mean, maybe we wouldn't go right up to it. But y'all know, like, we wouldn't be that scared. We'd be like, actually, let's help the shark out. But if you were in the water and you saw a shark, you'd be like, you're not even Catholic and you're doing the sign and you're praying and you're just like, Jesus, here I come. Like, you know, I'm sorry, Lord. Better get ready right now. The shark is made for an environment. One of the things I've noticed is the believers who've embraced who they are and they're in the environment God has called them to are just incredible. There is something about your gift set and your environment that just becomes wildly amazing to watch. It really does. A lion in the water, pretty helpless. Pretty helpless. I'm going to outswim him. A lion on land, I'm going to be running for my life. Why is that? Each creature in their environment becomes wildly powerful. God will use what's in your hands. God will never make you one way and use you another way. And so many of us are trying to be a cheap carbon copy of somebody else instead of just being who God created us to be. And you're miserable, you're stressed out, you're anxious, you don't know how it's ever going to work. Could I just submit to you today, it might just be because you're trying to use what meant for somebody else and you're not just using the gift that God gave you. I was 17 years old when I realized God made me to communicate. And I wasn't even that good at it at the beginning. I'm not even that great at it now. There's a lot of better communicators. Honestly, there are. You know? And I remember I was in college once. I think I've shared this story before. I got a D in homiletics one. Homiletics is how, it's, it's how they teach you to preach. And I got a D in what I was supposed to do for the rest of my life. That professor never thought I was going to make it. I mean, he would be shocked to know that I'm still rolling 20 years later. He, he, probably, he probably would be, you know. Here I am, you know. And, and, and what is it? It's just I, I connected with what God gave me. We started this church in our West End townhouse with 10 people. You know, here we are, two services, having a great start to 2023. I'm always amazed at what God will do when I give him what I have. One of the things I love about Shamgar is Shamgar never defeated 10 Philistines and then traded his, his ox goad in for a, a sword or a spear. You ever, you ever even face your enemies? You're like, God, I don't have what they have, and I don't even have what my enemies have. My enemies have shields and swords and spears, and I just still got a stick, Jesus. You know, I got nothing here, right? And, and you're just like, how easy? But he realized, wait a minute, God is using this ox goad. Look at your neighbor one more time. Like, God can use the goad. You know, I don't even know what an ox goad is, but pastor says God could use it. Like, like, he can use the ox goad. He can use the ox goad. And he realized, wait a minute, God gave me something. It's in my hands, and God is blessing it. I'm going to stay with it. And when he stayed with what was in his hands, God used him to deliver 600 Philistines and deliver the children of Israel in his time, and he finished well. Wow. God will use what's in your hand. You don't have to stay there, but start there. Start there. God gave you everything you need in your hands to get started. Don't count yourself out because you don't have what's in somebody else's hands. Amen. The other person I want to look at, you're all going to like this, is Nehemiah. The other Old Testament person I want to look at is Nehemiah. Nehemiah had a cup in his hands. In chapter 2, it says that he was a cupbearer to the king. I think we have that, that verse. If you could throw that up right there. So he said, here I am. I'm a cupbearer before the king, and I bring wine before King Artaxerxes, right? Guys, this is a job nobody wants. 
Nobody grows up and aspires to be a cup bearer. Nobody wants to bring wine to the king. And I'll tell you why. Because back in those days, if the king ever thought, maybe this wine is poisoned, guess who gets to drink the wine to see if it's poisoned or not? The cupbearer. Nehemiah, would you mind having a sip? And if you don't drop dead, it's safe for me to drink. Thank you. Nobody wants this job. This is an awkward job. This is something that nobody aspires to be. Imagine Nehemiah at holiday parties. Nehemiah, what you been up to, man? What do you do for a living? You ever, you ever get back around relatives? You know, what are you doing now? You finally got a job, right? You know, it's like you start asking all these questions, and Nehemiah's like, Yo, I'm, a, I'm a cupbearer, right? It'd been a very embarrassing thing. Nobody wants this position. Yet this cup is what was in his hands, and this cup is the only thing that got Nehemiah in front of the king who could do everything about his dream. The king said, yeah, go. And all of a sudden, he's got the power and the provision to rebuild the temple, rebuild the walls, and care for the people. He would have never gotten there without the cup. What what am I saying? Sometimes God will use your awkward, and he'll make it your avenue. Sometimes God will use the weird, defeated thing in your hand, and he will use that to open a door you never saw coming. When When I was a sophomore and junior in high school, I got bullied so bad. I mean, so bad. I had a couple guys that, for whatever reason, they just had it in for me. They were all on the football team, and whatever, I don't know, man. I still am like, I don't know how it got so bad, but it was bad. And I spent tears of my life running from these dudes, right? Like, it was just, it was rough. And I'm glad social media wasn't even around then, because, man, it would have been cyberbullying and bullying and just, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, it's funny. Years later, I saw that guy. And, and unfortunately, he, he began to get a real bad problem with drugs. And he, man, super skinny, fell apart. And I started hitting the gym, you know. And that was like a moment of redemption, you know. And I wanted to hit him. I really did. I was like, yo, we're going at it now. Now that I'm strong and now you're weak, now I have my revenge. But I, I didn't, you know, I, I was a Christian by that point. But I remember how that felt. Can I, can I be honest with you now at 40? I would have never traded those years of bullying now. Why? Because it gave me compassion for people that I would have never had in my life, ever had I not gone through the pain in my own life of bullying and coming out and coming on the other side of it. I would have never had compassion on people the way I have. I wonder if sometimes God started the whole bullying thing, and after those tears of getting bullied, I give my life to Jesus, then God calls me in the ministry. I almost wonder if bullying was a precursor to get called into ministry, because God's like, I need you to understand what it's like to hurt. We don't like it when God hands us a cup, do we? It's a little awkward. Nobody wants this, Jesus. Nobody wants this pain. Nobody wants the weirdness of what I went through. But what if it's that weird thing in your hand that ultimately gets you to where God wants you to go? God can use the insignificant in your life, so don't compare it away. He can use the ox goad. He can use the awkward and the weird and the painful to open a door that you never, ever saw coming. And I, and I always wonder now that, you know, years are going on in ministry, and I'm like, God, I wonder if you're looking for less mighty people, and maybe you're looking for more cupbearers than ever before. Maybe you're not just looking for the mighty with the swords and the slings, but you're looking for the Nehemiahs and the cupbearers and the humble that are just saying, God, I'm a little hurt. I'm a little awkward. I don't know what to do, but I'm willing, right? One of my favorite MLK quotes is this, everybody can be great because anybody can serve. 
I just wonder if now in the 2020s, God isn't looking for the humble servants to build his house and build his kingdom. To understand what it's like to hurt a little bit, bleed a little bit, feel a little awkward, feel a little left out. I wonder if those are the people God's like, I'm going to put my compassion in to go get other people for my glory. Amen? Don't compare your courage away. Start with what's in your hands. Don't be afraid of the cup. Don't be afraid of the awkward. Don't be afraid of the pain. You don't know what God will open up with. Back to John chapter 6. Here we go. Back to this. I want to read it out, out of the message when they're saying, Here, here's the little boy with five loaves, two fish. It's a drop in the bucket for a crowd like this. God, what's in my hands is not enough. What do we do? I can barely meet my own needs, Jesus. Five loaves, two fish is not enough to feed me. It's definitely not enough to feed everybody else. What do we do when we run out? Can I, can I be honest? I think one of the, the great little pivots of this miracle, the disciples didn't send the boy with his resources to the crowd. The disciples sent the boy and his resources to Jesus. Every time in my life where I've really missed it, I try to take my resources and I tried to go to the crowd. I took my resources, and I tried to fix my marriage. I took my resources, and I tried to make it happen, right? And guess what? It's never enough. It always falls short. Even when things are going good for us, don't we internally know it's still a resource? Like, it could change on me anytime. Like, I, it's a resource, right? What do you guys think I do every single week? Hey, Monday comes, we do all of our meetings, I do all the follow-up, I have all these meetings and stuff. Tuesday comes around, I'm like, i got to preach again this weekend. I've been preaching every weekend for 20 years. I'm out of material. I just like, what else do I say? I go back before God, what do you want to say to people this weekend? What do you want to do? Because my resources are not enough. What do you want to say? But you take that same boy right? And instead of sending him to the crowd, don't go to the crowd, go to Christ. Don't worry about the resources, go to the source because he's the source of life. He's the source of love. He's not just a barely get by God. He's a more than enough God. Like he's the source. Don't go to the crowd, man. Go to Christ. Jesus, I got five loaves, two fish, whatever you want to do with it, you can do with it. You want to feed me? Awesome. You want to feed everybody? Even better. I got nothing. This is what I got in my hands, but it's not enough. What do you want to do with it? And I'm going to drop it off at you. Every time in my life where I'm like, Jesus, marriage ain't working. You said it's supposed to work, but it's not working. So here you go. Come on, any married people in the house today, you know what I'm talking about, right? There have been seasons like everybody else. Jesus, help, right? Like, I got four kids. Jesus, my God, help, right? Like, help me, you know? And, you know, and church, I love church. I do. I love church. I love what church is supposed to be. I really love God's people. Sometimes y'all a lot. I'm just going to be honest. Sometimes you put me through so much stress. Sometimes I work so hard, nobody shows up. And I'm like, God, like, you know, like, I do everything I can. It's like, you know, whatever, right? It's like, sometimes it's a lot. It's a lot, right? But God, what do you want to do? What do, what do you got up your sleeve? What do you want to do with me, right? I wonder if some of you are worried, anxious, and stressed out because you have your resources and you're still going to the crowd instead of Christ. When God puts something in your hands, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to give it right back to him. God gives you a vision. Take it right back to him. What do you want to do with it? 
God gives you a business. Jesus, thank you for the resource. I'm going back to the source. God gives you an idea. Thank you, God, for the idea. I'm going right back to the source. What do you want to do? Right? If, listen, if we believe what we actually say we believe, and it's all about his glory anyway, then whatever he's put in my hands, I'm just going to give it right back to him and trust him with it. And if I need more, he can give me more. If I steward it well, he can multiply it. I can add and subtract, but he can multiply and divide. Jesus, these are the resources you've given me. Here you go. What do you want to do? Because you're the source. And if you say if it's enough to feed 5,000, then you're going to make it enough. Because if I try to go to the crowd, it will always fall short. Church, stop trying to fix all your problems on your own. Stop going to the crowd. Stop comparing all your courage away. Go back to the source. He is the God that's more than enough. If a resource runs out, okay, go back to the source. What do you want to do with me? You can do anything. I'll do anything. Whatever you want. What do you want to do with these loaves and fish? Because I don't have enough anyway. So I might as well go back to you. What do you want to do? Amen? I can always go back to the source. Every time I get too anxious, it's almost always crowd and not Christ. Every time I get worried, what am I doing? My mind's on the resource and not the source. Every time I get stressed, it's crowd, not Christ. Go back to Christ. Go back to the source. Change the thing. He can do the miracle if he wants to, right? Could you imagine that boy at the end of that day, right? Could you imagine that selfie? Look what God did, right? My five loaves and two fish. Yo, we're making it rain. Like, like, you know, but in the end, that boy's like, look what God did with what I had. What a testimony for you and I. Look what God did with what I had in my hands. I gave it to him. Look what he did. He's the one that gets all the glory anyway. And in the end, I just want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You gave me back what I gave you, and I multiplied it. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we love you. Lord, you are the source of life and love. And you are good, and you are the God that's more than enough. And right now, I just pray for everybody in here that's worried, anxious, stressed, looking at resources, looking at the crowd. It doesn't add up. God, I pray today that they would turn their attention back to you. You are the source. And God, we just faithfully today, as best we know how, we give you our lives, our ideas, our energies, our careers, our callings, everything we are, we give it back to you. You're the source. Jesus, do what you want with us. Do what you want to do through us. It's all for your glory anyway. In Jesus' name, amen. Give Jesus three seconds of a shout.
Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing day.